mysteries, mysteries. Mysteries Inc. Mysteries Inc. Mysteries Inc. <laughs> Welcome to Mysteries, Inc. I'm Spring. I'm Joe. And we are here to give you some wonderful stories again. I hope you guys all had a wonderful turkey day. I know I did. I did. I had lots of babies everywhere. <laughs> really? I didn't even know you were pregnant. <laughs> no, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. They were on my face. No, I'm kidding. No, oh my God. <laughs> God. No, there was just lots of family there. It was cute. <laughs> <laughs> <All right>. Sorry. <laughs> so here we go. So as usual, we start off with a uh, rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> All right. Rock, rock paper, paper, scissors, scissors shoot. Oh, All right. I didn't continue. do my rock, but it didn't fucking win either. <laughs> All right. So my story is going to be about Death Valley. Have you ever been through Death Valley? No. I hardly leave Wisconsin. I'm pretty sure (laughs) one of the trips to California, we were part of Death Valley. Okay. But uh, it's notoriously an extreme landscape. Uh, It's located on the east central edge of California. It's where the world's second highest record temp at 100. I was going to say, it better be horrible because it can't be like meadows and like grassy flowers and bunnies and rainbows if it's called Death Valley. I don't know. <laughs> Greenland isn't very green. True, but that was evil Vikings, not just American settlers. <laughs> at least from what I hear. It's supposed to be snowy, right? <laughs> um, so it's extremely hot. It, it, like, it, had, it once had a record temp of 134 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, in shit. 1913. Uh, and it's average summer temps uh, are around 115 to 125. Okay. That's... Terrible. That's hot. <laughs> is it a humid heat or is it a dry heat? No, it's incredibly dry. Okay. It is. I may be able... Uh, all right. Anyways. So, uh, it does actually have... For being such an inhospitable place, it does have signs of human habitation going back as 9,000 years. <laughs> and to be fair, the climate was a little more favorable then um, nobody was able to leave and tell people there's death in that valley they all died <laughs> no so there's apparently like there's record of like it being lush and kind of nice at some point oh, oh. so uh there's the paiute tribe had had lived there about a thousand to nine hundred years ago and they actually have a legend pertaining to a, uh the land today Ooh. And it was pretty unhospitable then. Like, okay. part of it is, uh, or, well, they don't talk about it in this, but, like, it was, it's long been a very, very harsh place. Today, the Timbisha Shoshone tribe live on, like, a little section of it. They're okay. kind of forced off the land when it was made a um, national park I think I in know 1933. No, it's not going to get so bad with that. Okay. I, I'm not going to delve. I've got more fun things to talk about. Okay. Only, only a moment. Aww. <laughs> um... Anyways, the the Paiute, they have a legend uh, pertaining to this area. It is the legend of the king kingdom of Shin-O-Av. Uh, and according to the legend, thousands of years ago, an important Paiute chief had lost his wife. Oh. And he was so overcome with grief, and he didn't want to go on living without her, so he decided to take his earthly body to the land of the dead. 
Oh. So he tra- he followed a trail of brave spirits through all these endless underground passages. And as he traveled, he was attacked by evil spirits, fierce beasts and demons, and he continued to fight it's along the way nature. to hopefully join his, his wife in the land of the dead. Uh, finally, finally, he saw some glorious sunlight at the, the trail's end. But first he had to cross a narrow rock bridge that arched over a bottomless canyon. But on the other side, he could see a beautiful, lush, green spirit world just waiting for him. So get over. He, he ventured on. He did make it safely. And when he entered the great kingdom of Shinoav, he was greeted by a beautiful maiden, who was the daughter of Shinoav. No, oh, for God, his wife. No. <laughs> he was good. It's but he never actually meets, he never meets the king, but at least not in, in a version to? I found. But he met the daughter. <laughs> And explained his reason for being there. And she took him over to a very large cave chamber that was like a a great hall. And before him were thousands and thousands of dead and happy Paiute dancing in a huge circle. Okay. Just like a... It's the afterlife. It's just a They're big just old party. They're just in their own Valhalla. Just enjoying themselves. Mm-hmm. When you die, you apparently go to the kingdom of Shinoav. So he was very pleased to see that they are all happy. Yeah. Um, but he was dismayed because he thought he would never find his wife in such a large group. And the princess promised him that he would and instructed him to sit at the edge and wait for her, his wife to pass. She brought him food and drink, and she instructed, When you see your beloved wife, carry her off quickly without either of you making a backward glance. And travel back the way you came. Okay. And so Don't look back, just keep going. Keep going. <laughs> and those were the instructions. And so... Uh, he waited patiently. He waited for days. Uh, in that time, he'd seen many people he knew from his past, from friends, family, and even enemies. Oh, and on awkward. The, yeah. <laughs> uh, and they were happy. They just danced by in a daze. Yeah, dude, I know you, like, totally hacked off my arm with the machete, but, like, bygones, man, bygones. <laughs> so, uh, on the third night, as he was just beginning to despair, he saw her approaching. So he, he joyfully ran to her, grabbed her, and fled the valley. As they reached that bridge that crossed the bottom of this canyon, he couldn't help himself, and he looked back at the beautiful valley. Oh, did his wife turn to salt? Oh, no. Close. And just in an instant, he was standing all alone. Oh, and his no. wife was gone. Aww. And so he made his way back to his people, where he spent the rest of his life telling the story of the beautiful, fantastical land of Shinoav. And the legend was passed down from generation to generation. Aww. Yeah, I know. Poor guy. That's it, a nice way to encourage your soldiers to die for you, too, though. Dude, everyone was happy. You'll be dancing. Dancing. You see everyone there. Don't even worry. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there. Great place. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what we still do. <laughs> anyway. <True. laughs> so, uh, <clears throat> there are actually modern day tales of these underground tunnels. In the, uh, in the 1920s, a prospector named White like that's only white. That's all white of you. White. Claimed to have fallen through the floor of an abandoned mine at Wingate Pass on the southwest corner of Death Valley. Uh, he allegedly fell into an underground tunnel and explored deeper into this labyrinth till he came upon a group of rooms where he found hundreds of mummery, mummies dressed mummeries. in leather. Mummeries. <laughs> he landed in a mummery. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> And they're they're dressed in leather. I'm assuming. <laughs> oh, maybe naughty mummery. Right. <laughs> Kink party. Uh, uh, and they're surrounded by gold bars and various. Oh, very successful naughty mummery. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, the, uh, <laughs> where was I? <laughs> Uh, the tunnels in Bath's chamber was said to be illuminated by a pale greenish-yellow light of unknown origin. Uh, he claimed to have visited the caves two more times, once with his wife and the third time with another prospector by the name of Fred Thompson. Nice. And they vouch for him, I guess. <laughs> Shortly after his story kind of came out, uh, a local trapper, and a Paiute man, uh, by the name of Tom Wilson, told a similar story. He said that his grandfather had claimed to have discovered these mysterious caverns many years before, but in his grandfather's tale, he had ventured further into the caverns and discovered a whole underground city. It was inhabited by, right, is inhabited by a group of fair-skinned people dressed in leather. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's where all the daddies are at. <laughs> yeah. um, so, yeah, dressed in leather clothing. They had horses. Uh, I don't know where kickback comes from, but, uh... This um, is great. Like, Grandpa was not being gay. He just went to a cave. And... <laughs> a cave club. When they look like, oh, they were in leather. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Go ahead. Continue. So, they had horses. They spoke an unknown language. Ate some weird food he had never seen. Well, they lived um, in a fucking cave. <laughs> and cool enough, his in his story as well, the whole place is illuminated by a pale greenish yellow light. So it's like, everyone, it seems like people are just seeing this similar thing. Yeah. Um, he returned to his people and told them his tale. Unlike the other Paiute chief, <laughs> uh, everyone just kind of like... Dude, you're going to go, yeah, they go. Like, oh, he's drunk again. Um, no one really believed him, but his grandson, Tom, did. So Tom had contacted White, and uh, he White agreed to take him and a group Now that of... sounds like a drug dealer. He, Tom contacted <laughs> White. <laughs> Walter White. <laughs> they were going to go down to this underground party with the mummeries and the <laughs> pale skin guys in leather. <laughs> Almost the same area. Not quite. Within a couple hundred miles, probably. <laughs> um, of Walter White, that is. Anyways, so they he took him and some archaeologists to uh, check out this underground discovery, but unfortunately they couldn't find this, the caves. He lost them. Oh, they were like, this is getting way too popular. We yeah. need to move. <laughs> they did find a dead-end tunnel carved in solid rock. So yeah, maybe they did. Yeah, yeah, they were like, Someone cleaned it all people up. People keep on crashing our party. You know... When I was re reading through this before, I didn't realize maybe it was the friend he brought. <laughs> like, oh, cleared it out. Right. Damn. What? All the mummies and the gold is gone. <laughs> Promise I won't come back. <laughs> Did find this weird leather vest that says daddy, though. <laughs> Went over to his house. He had a lot of gold and leather around. <laughs> Thought it was really strange. <laughs> So, yeah, they, they didn't find it, but uh, it didn't deter Tom, deter Tom Wilson, who searched for this subterranean city until his death in 1968. It's because his friend robbed him. Yeah, the White's, white's friend, <laughs> <No>. Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this wasn't the even friend. the only one. There's another one, uh, a story that was told to a bunch of guys. Like The way, this, the way I'd read about it was, in 1943, a story was told. But then the actual story is in 1931. It's like, I don't know why you need it. You're telling it to me now, too. I waited a while to edit and to clarify. So in 1931, uh, there's a guy, Dr. <coughs> Bruce F. or F. Bruce Russell, uh, who claimed to discover a series of tunnels beneath Death Valley. 
He was a retired physician from Cincinnati, Ohio, and he moved west for his health and also decided to check out his mining prospects. Yeah. And it would make sense that if in an area is really, really, really hot, of course people would probably like find caves and like live underground where it would be a lot cooler. Yeah. So that doesn't seem to like outside of the spectrum of like reasonable no, no, it's although natives in the area might have gone underground maybe. because it was so hot there. I'm I'm skeptical, but and they became lizard people. They were they <laughs> would be pale. It would be like those those weird pale eyeless lizards. Uh, so, anyways, this this other guy in 1931, he was a uh, checking out his mining opportunities. Uh, he had a colleague, Doctor Daniel S. Bovey, who was actually an archaeologist, okay. and they were kind of prospecting around and while they were dropping a mine shaft um he uh fell into a cave system just much like the other guy yeah and so he explored these caves for a while in one cavern they found mummified remains of three men that were eight to nine feet tall oh (laughs) and you're gonna you're gonna like this because they were dressed in what's said to be leather (laughs) nice uh, mummies are always it was said to be gray dyed sheepskin but they believed it was probably from an unknown animal today that we like we don't have today okay they later found what they described as a ritual hall where they found all sorts of treasures including preserved remains of dinosaurs elephants and tigers oh my (laughs) some people have said that maybe it was like a bunch of like prehistoric you know like yeah or could it just been like some sometimes they have like areas where it's like like a generational death trap where like uh no no no, like i know it's kind of like a bad spot but yeah where they like where they whoever wanders in that area ends up like falling in especially animals where they'll just wander around Mm -hmm. and then they'll fall in it and they'll find like layers of like different species based off of when they fell or like lots of bones. I've seen that where there'll be like lots of bones in the concentrated area. They're like, well, they probably all fell off the cliff and landed right into here. And that's how they ended up here because you I know, believe it. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, in their story, it was like a collection. Oh it, my was, God. it was, it was Barnum was hanging out down right. there back in the day. <laughs> and when he came back and told the story, that's one of the reasons why people generally mocked it was because it was like, well, people didn't live with dinosaurs. Yeah. And, went up. Um, so he, the Dr. Russell had was so confident in his discovery. He formed a company. I think it was a lot of people think it was a hoax, but like so he formed a company to handle the the release and make money off of this somehow. Ooh. Um, extra, which extra is why read think, all about it. It was going to be some kind of scam. So just like the other ones, he was unable to discover the caves again. <laughs> <laughs> Yes! Uh, and then shortly after this failure, Dr. Russell and Dr. Bovey disappeared mysteriously. Shame. Uh, Dr. Russell's <laughs> car was found in, in the remote area of Death Valley with a burst radiator and his always being like, his, you know, normal briefcase. Everything was all scattered or something? Or it was just there? No, nicely. just like he disappeared. Oh. And so, yeah. They made up their mind. And they started walking. They, they just they found the caves again, and they went to live with the daddies. They left the, the sun came up that day. So beautiful. Yeah, you want to go searching for cave cave people? Just here's the lesson to the story: If you find a cave full of amazing mummies and gold, take as much shit with you on your first trip back. Because if you come back again, either the spirits or one of your fucking friends are going right. to move it on you. So I Take some shit with that's you. That's why I'm skeptical. No one brought back any gold. 
Come on. Yeah. Nowadays, you have your phone. You could just take pictures. <laughs> Taking the live stream, the whole damn thing. Yeah. I don't know. You'd be underground. All right. Um, that was a very good story, Joe. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Mine, uh, I'm feeling bad for doing this to you because uh, as a woman, this is a womanly story. <laughs> okay. Um, and I titled it Happy, Mad, Eye Roll, Confused because that's in order how you're going to feel about a lot okay. of this. All right. So when it comes to understanding a woman's body and its functions, off to a great start, who has a better point of reference than a woman herself? Okay. In the 12th century, Trota of Salerno, this is Italian, was breaking ground as a woman's doctor. She came into her training and education in the coastal town of Salerno, Italy, with her doctor husband, John Plateris, and later she would have two sons, Matteo and John, I think, Jr., who would also become doctors. Okay. And there was apparently like a college that was like in that, like a medical school in that area. So that's where she got a lot of her training. Okay. So Trota specialized in women's health, especially in reproductive health, periods, childbirth, pregnancy, and all of the other horrible and scary side effects of being a woman. <laughs> she is accredited with writing and co-writing three important medical books. The first one has like three different names. It's books on the conditions of women or it's a.k.a. the diseases of women, a.k.a. Trotula Major. The second book is on cosmetics of women or Trotula Minor. And then there was a third one that joined in later and it's titled On Treatments for Women. And these three got together and they were like considered a compendium that was the standing mm -hmm. um, be all say all about women's like health nice. and cosmetics and stuff. And there's also some stuff that could be used on men too. So like when it came to like STDs or skin kind of abrasions and stuff like this stuff could kind of go in there. Trota was also a surgeon and came up with the technique to repair the perineum. Per, per, perineum? Perineum. I like that's right. After childbirth. Now, I don't know if you know what the perineum is. Mm -hmm. Okay. For our listeners, <laughs> I put it in here. It's equivalent <laughs> to the taint on a man. So. <laughs> and in childbirth, it often tears mm -hmm. and it creates a complicated recovery. So she's perfected the technique of sewing it up. She came, out, uh, she came up with the idea for women to use opiates for labor pains and to use animal testicles to make ointments that could help with regulating periods or with sterility. So she was kind of, you yeah. know, one of those ladies. She also got a lot of anger when she said that both men and women had a part in failure to conceive. So she wasn't saying it was just all the woman's fault. Sometimes mm -hmm. men have a hand in it, too. Very progressive. She also found a way to help out young brides on their wedding nights. So during this time uh, period, there was a lot of hypocrisy because women didn't really have much in terms of rights to mm -hmm. freedom or to their bodies. But... In order to be a good bride, you needed to be pure. So, in order to uh, help out, Trota had the solution. She would give the girl a leech the night before the wedding and have her apply it to her nether area. And uh, they would have, like, the main... She would just tell the bride, like, okay, put it there the night before the wedding. Next day, before you and your husband copulate, make sure you remove it or if you start to feel lightheaded, remove it, you know, kind of a thing. And mm -hmm. it would, the guy would have sex, you know, with his wife. She would bleed. It'd create the illusion mm -hmm. that he broke her hymen and she was a virgin. So that was amazing. <laughs> nice. 
But there were many efforts made to muddy the origins of the Tortula, which is, or, yeah, Tortula is what they called the compendium, mm -hmm. because they try to say that it was written by three different men, and that Tortula would never even existed, or she's only mainly mentioned in it, but, like, there is Lame. no actual evidence outside of these books about who this woman, okay? Mm hmm so knowing that it was edited by a lot of different authors and it was kind of rewritten and rewritten, um, people decided to find, like scholars even recently, have found um, the original copies. Because at some point there were three separate books and then eventually they were just put all together into one gigantic scientific book. Yeah. So they found... Um, they found some of her older books and they found some overlapping in between the texts so that they're kind of like, okay, if this is what we can guarantee she wrote and this is the same words almost basically verbatim inside of this other book, we now know, like, there has to be some correlation mm -hmm. there. One example is a treatment that was of a condition called wind in the uterus. <laughs> the term and treatment is not found in any other medical books in, from that region, except for Trota's writing that went into the Trotula. So, like, it's almost like wind in the uterus was kind of what she's like, oh, oh. No, That's some how we guy know. totally experienced wind in the uterus. <laughs> Why do you queef? <laughs> now, I looked it up. I'm like, what is wind in the uterus? Like, I really kind of like, what's the actual, like, modern day thing? How do you compare it? And it confused the shit out of me. So from what I got, it refers to a woman's uterus not being stationary in the body. And it wanders around. It's also referred to as a wandering uterus. Okay. And it can lead, if you're not careful, a wandering uterus can cause uh, uterine suffocation. Or, yeah, uterine suffocation. Okay? I breathe. Because what would happen is, are you going to follow along? Because this is all, this is why I'm getting into the eye roll part, okay? So I was happy, yay, this woman's all about trying to figure out about women's bodies. Because most men had no idea about mm -hmm. anything beyond their own. They just kind of said, oh, copy paste, you know? Right. And, um, and so here's a woman that's doing great and then I'm mad because they're trying to take away all of her credit from her. Now here comes the eye roll, okay? Because they claimed that the uterus wanders around the body... And it's, uh, it wanders because it's dry inside of a woman's body. And the uterus wants to be moist. Okay. And everybody back then knew that the kidneys and the liver were always moist. Naturally. So the uterus would wander over to the kidneys and to the uh, liver. And while up there absorbing the moisture, they would like basically squish your lungs and cause you to suffocate and die. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'm thinking that the symptoms of wind in the uterus is that women bend over with immense pain. I'm thinking that sounds like cramps. But anyways, um, so there are ways to um to stop this and apparently the women that are most susceptible to wandering uterus are widows and virgins <laughs> so there's two treatments for uterine suffocation the easiest was to give the uterus a moist spot lower than the lungs and the liver yeah yeah so if a woman was feeling her uterus moving she was encouraged to get married and have her husband ejaculate yeah. in her 
<laughs> or try to like get her pregnant to cure her because if he creates a moist spot down below the uterus can't wander up to the lungs naturally <laughs> like the fuck <laughs> when was this again like the 1100s okay so 12th century you know all right and if she was not in the mood to remarry so she was a widow and she just didn't want to get remarried she could use odor treatments to cure herself she could put huh? some foul smelling things in her nostrils okay, to push to ward away the um the uterus but then below her she would need to burn some sweet smelling fumes near her vagina in order to lure her uterus down there weird that's why we needed this woman to be in the medical books because this was not her theory. <laughs> this is the theories that were going around. Now here comes the confusion. There was another strange thing about periods that I read that made me happy that men were not just in charge of the medical field when it comes to women. Long ago, it was believed that women either ran hotter or cooler than men. And because our bodies did not run at the same temperature as your guys's, we didn't process our resources as well as you guys did. And that's why we ended up with our period. Because that is our body just it didn't get a chance to use it. It was just not very efficient. And it was just getting rid of what I basically wasted. Wasted resources. <laughs> All right. No, I'm not. And there was oh, a man. lot of things that they would try to do because they believed that like wow. it's there's stories about it dealing with a tree and how the the uterus blood is like gives life and there's children oh my god that's a that's a messy rabbit hole okay <laughs> so if a woman doesn't have her period it means that she has finally not wasted her resources <laughs> so a lot of this revolves around just women just have to have sex <laughs> to keep mm -hmm. her uterus from wandering she's not efficient at using the resources that life gives her so that's why she has her period and Jeez. it's like a fucking consistent thing and apparently yeah uteruses wander what the fuck i so had no idea i did not either and i thought that since we're all done eating turkey dinners and we don't need to have an appetite <laughs> this would be a good topic to bring up <laughs> weird medical history well that was fun <laughs> it was something <laughs> <laughs> So, all, right. <laughs> all right, you guys. I hope you have a wonderful day. See you next week. See you next time. <laughs> Want to help us get into more ears? Help us grow by following, rating, and reviewing wherever you're listening. This is especially helpful in iTunes, so pop over and give us a rating if you can. You can follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook as well. Feel free to leave any questions or comments. <laughs>